If you would turn in your Bibles, if you have a Bible with you, it will be projected in the back. But if you have your Bible, turn to the book of John. This is a topical message on love. So we're going to be jumping around here a little bit. But um, the title of the message is For God So Loved. And we're going to look at God's love. And in light of that, our love as well. So John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. So let me read that. And Jesus said this to his disciples, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Let's pray. Father, we ask that as we look at this passage of Scripture, Lord, that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to what you may be saying to us today. Lord, I pray that you will help me. My words are are nothing compared to what your spirit can do. So, Lord, we pray that you would minister to us by your spirit today. In spite of anything that I say, Lord, we pray that you would be glorified and use this time. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So really, you can just read that, those two verses, and I could sit down and we could all go home because it tells us what we're supposed to do. But we want to understand love. The main point of the message is the love that Jesus desires his people to have is reachable and can be expressed towards God, toward one another, and toward the unlovely. Okay? The love that Jesus desires his people to have is reachable and can be expressed toward God, toward one another, and toward the unlovely. So God's love is given, and this love can be expressed back. Now, this isn't a, me- a message on how, how unloving you people are or anything like that. I'm not going to come up with a, a love baseball bat and start beating you over the head, telling you to love people more. That's not the purpose. It wouldn't be very loving. I, think, I don't think it would be very caring. And um, Bauer would never let me stand up here again. So we want to be careful about what we do. But we want to understand love because I think we, we sometimes, we don't talk about love a lot. We say God loved us, but we don't talk about what love is and what it's supposed to be. I know back during the Jesus movement, love, the, the Greek word for love is agape. And that, that during the Jesus movement, uh, it was kind of, oh, this was a special word. It was like a, a magical word, agape. You know, it's, it's Greek, you know. And, and so everybody would just start to, to say, oh, it's agape love. This isn't just any love. This is agape love. It's special. Okay. Anything in another language sounds special. De j'aime te petit. Let's see, couchon. I love you, little pig. You know, it sounds great. It sounds wonderful. 
But just because it's in another language, sometimes we give it more meaning, give it more understanding as to what it is. Love is important, and the agape love is special when it's directed in the right direction, to the right person, to, for the right purpose. And that's what we want to look at today. So, we want to look at this. Let's look at the first point. The love of God expressed back to God opens a new chapter. The love of God expressed back to God opens a new chapter. I just want to read John three sixteen and 17 just to re-familiarize. I mean, we're probably most familiar with this passage than anything else, but I want to look at it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Think about this. For God so loved. He sent his son. For God so loved. He came to save and not to condemn. For God so Love, he changed the course of history. For God so loved that he changed the destiny, the life of every individual in this place. What is this love that he has towards the world? That word is agape, or some derivative thereof. If it's a verb, it's a agapeo. Uh, the The word agape means to welcome, to entertain, to be fond of, to love dearly, an interactive fondness. It's characterized by concern, not for oneself, but concern for others. It's a deep, limitless compassion, which is shown through Jesus' self-sacrifice. So husbands should agape their wives, just as Jesus agaped the church. That is the type of love. It's not an unreachable love. A lot of times we think this kind of love is just for the pastors. They're supposed to love people in a much greater way. No, it's for all of us. It's something that we're all supposed to be familiar with and take part of and express. When this word's used, it's used around 140 times in the New Testament. It refers to loving your neighbor, loving one another, loving God with all your heart. It is a God-given affection. But of course, we live in a fallen world. Okay, so to get a little better understanding of this word love, I want you to look at something. The same word can be used other than what we think of agape love. And in the same chapter, John 3.19, it says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. They loved the darkness. It's the same word that's used. It's agape. They welcomed the darkness. They entertained the darkness. They were fond of the darkness. They loved the darkness dearly. It was void of God. Basically, and what can happen is someone can actually agape themselves to hell because they don't have their love directed in the right 
direction. For God so loved the world. See, the gospel is good news. So when God so loved, he brought light into darkness, good into an evil world, and life rather than death. So we as Christians need to look at the foundation of love in our lives and ask the question, how do we love God? The only reason we can love God is because of the work of God. That's the only reason we can love God. It's because of the work of God. First John 4, 16 through 19. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. This is what John is saying. We believe the love that God has for us. God is love, he says. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. Because God is love, we are also supposed to be in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. We can love God because he first loved us. He opened our eyes to what love really is. Now it says perfect love casts out fear. And if we're fearful, don't worry, don't panic. It just means we're still working on understanding love. And we need to work on it some more and ask God to help us with that. We're still growing in our process of knowing God and loving God. So don't panic about that because there are times when I fear. That doesn't mean that I don't love God. It means that I'm growing in my knowledge and my understanding of God. So keep that in mind as we, as we look at these, at this a little deeper. So we can grow in our love for God. We can grow in our love for people. Why? Because we love We love because he first loved us. Growing in that love is a result in an ever-growing understanding of the gospel. It's an ongoing process. You just don't hear the gospel once and just leave it at that and have the basics down. We're always growing in it. A lot of times we stop with, yes, now I'm forgiven. I understand that Jesus died for my sins. I'm going to heaven. All is cool. I'm happy. I don't have to do anything else about that. And since I can't turn my page, I can't go to the next section. But you see, understanding the gospel is something that's ever deepening. And we have to keep growing in that. Love. It causes us to realize that love is of great value. Love was given at great sacrifice. Love was a great cost. And that helps us to gain some understanding. And now that you have this love that's supposed to be shown back towards God through you, and it's supposed to be shown back to others, a self-sacrificing love, a self-denying love, a love described in 1 Corinthians 13, which we'll look at in a little bit. So you don't only love God, but you begin to even love one another. So you start to love God because of everything he's done. And as you understand that more and more, you start to understand how you can love others because of what God has done. 
brings me to my second point. Loving one another is fulfilling the word of God. John 13, 34 through 35, which is the passage I read originally, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Here we have a new commandment. Jews had lots of commandments. They had lots of laws. There was always something coming down the pipe. There was, so this wasn't surprising to the disciples that there was a, another law, that there was another commandment. But when Jesus used the words, a new commandment, the disciples were probably excited. Oh, here's something new. Here's something that's coming down. We've got all these other lists of laws that we've always had to obey. Here's something new. All right, come on, bring it on, Rabbi. Let's see what you've got for us today. So they were probably exciting. Maybe they're thinking wise words from Jesus. Here comes some really deep things from the Lord. It's going to improve my life. Maybe it's going to be about prayer. Maybe there's going to be some deep insights into prayer that's going to be really good. Maybe it's about studying harder. Maybe he's got a new book and it's just come out in parchment and it's going to be something that we can read and enjoy. Maybe it's about adding dietary laws. I wonder what Jesus is going to give us. He's got this new commandment. These are the things that could be going on through their head. Okay. Maybe it's that they should dress differently. You guys are a dirty fisherman. Maybe we're going to put a new law. You kind of smell. But it wasn't any of these. It was simply this. Love one another. Can you see the disciples starting to go, huh, we're going to love one another. Oh, I can do that. I can, I can do that. They probably didn't expect it, but eh, we, we can do that. I can do that. Or they could say, well, I don't know if I love this guy. I don't know if I love that guy. I don't like his personality or his family lives on the other side of the tracks. I'm not sure about this or that. I'm not sure about this Matthew guy that you even brought in because he was a tax collector. I don't know if I love him. I haven't liked him for years. What keeps us from loving people? Sometimes we feel that way about people that, say, get a promotion at work. And we don't love them about that. They get recognition. Even in the church, sometimes people are lifted up and, and others kind of cringe and go, why are they getting it? Why are they getting recognition? Sometimes it stems from jealousy. Sometimes there's prejudice involved. Sometimes judgment. Sometimes in an ex- extreme way, it's even hatred. Because we are fallen people. We are sinful people. And we can fall into these things. And it, it keeps us. You know, when we were kids, we were never allowed to, to, to really hate people. You know, don't hate this person. Don't say you hate this person. So we never said we hated anybody. We just said we disliked them intensely. See, Jesus didn't put levels on things like this. He didn't say, well, dislike, sort of like, kind of hate, dislike intensely. He just said, I got a new commandment for you, and you got to love one another. That's all he said. You got to love one another. Just as I have loved you a loving, self-sacrificing way. 
As Christians, we can have a lot of things that stand in our way of obeying commandments. Okay, uh, let's just take the theological implications here. Okay, they go to that church. I don't know. I don't know if I like them. She believes this about the end times. I'm going to stand way back from that person. This person's too charismatic. I don't know. You know, they're kind of weird. They're kind of scary. Oh, this person believes in infant baptism. Oh, these people like baby dedications. Oh, I don't know about this. This person's reformed. This person's Armenian. I don't know what I should do about this. Let's look at the political aspect of things. We want to go down that road. Just take this past year. You know, you, I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. I'm an independent. I'm a libertarian. Let's not even mention the Green Party. Okay? All these little things in God's eyes are so big in our eyes. I have seen more, uh, more things in social media in this past year from, uh, from Christians, uh, you know, nationally renowned Christians that seem so hateful to me in this past year. And it's probably happened over years, but now we have social media, so it's easy to get. <laughs> it's easy to see. It's easy to get to. But you know what? It doesn't matter if, you know, someone's a, a Messianic Jew libertarian that's an Arminian that's married to an Eastern Orthodox down in Alabama. It doesn't matter because Jesus says to love one another. That's his desire, that we would embrace and realize what Peter says in Peter 4, verse 8. It says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. New American Standard Bible says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Above all, that term above all means before anything else. Above all, don't check their background. Don't check their DNA. Don't check their whatever. Above everything else, you've got to love them. Above everything else, we have to love these people no matter what they look like, no matter what they believe, no matter where they come from, no matter what their political affiliation is. Fervent and earnestly, we're supposed to love them. That means... You know, I love this because it means to stretch out. I, the, the only the only thing I could think of was we have a, a plate of cookies. It's food. We have a plate of cookies sitting on the table, homemade cookies. And it's very important to make sure that the plastic wrap goes nice and tight around it. Why? To protect it. Because I don't want a stale cookie. I want a fresh cookie. And this is what he's talking about. This is basically what he's referring to. It's a protective covering. We earnestly love. In other words, we're protecting someone in our love with great care and perseverance, it means. In other words, we don't give up on these people. We continue to try to make sure that they're covered. Now, why do we do all this? Because by this... People will know that you are my disciples. That's why. Okay, so how do you do this? Some people feel that love is just an action. 
We have to do love. It becomes a thing to do. It's on the to-do list. Some would say, well, you know, love is an eternal feeling thing. It's a many-splendored thing. And we need to, we need to just be more cautious and, and careful. And maybe I'll love them tomorrow and things will go along. But love is a provision of God. It's a resource. It, some say it's a gift of the Spirit in Corinthians. It's a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I think they're in the order for a reason. Love is first. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's available to us because we're Christians and God gives us spiritual fruit in our lives to be able to live our lives in a much greater way. If you love someone, you'll be more patient with them. If you love someone, you'll show more kindness. If you love someone, you'll bring goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control into the relationship. Bottom line to start, we need to ask God for love. We need to ask God to change our hearts. We need to ask God to envision us for love. We need to ask for that fervent eagerness and earnestness to love above all. And God's faithful. We've sung about it this morning. God is faithful. He will meet you in this. But as hard as it is to be loving toward one another, it's only half of what Jesus wants us to do, really, because he also says he wants us to love our enemies. Okay, and that's the third point we're going to look at. What to do with your enemies, maybe love will help. Okay, that was my literary wonder for a third point. Okay, <laughs> Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 29. It says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, uh, do not withhold your tunic either. Okay, it's interesting. <laughs> Jesus told them to love their enemies before he told them to love one another. I always thought that was kind of interesting. Which do you think is harder? Is it easier to love your enemy? Or is it easier to love your brother and sister? In Christ, what would be easier for you? Jesus says in this passage, to you who hear, hearing here defined is to you who pay attention and consider with the purpose of applying it. That's the purpose of it is to apply this. For those of you that want to apply this, we want you to love your enemies. Is Jesus bringing the disciples to a new level of understanding and action? It's a different action than the normal response that we would normally have toward an enemy. Most groups out there are not usually based on love. If you look at just organizations as a whole, they're not usually based on love. They're usually mutual interests, like bird-watching clubs. Okay, you know, there's an interest that they'll go out and watch birds. They're actually, bird watchers are extremely competitive. 
So sometimes competitive groups get together and they hang out and they want to play games and they want to beat one another, okay? Sometimes they're legalistic and rules kind of groups that people just like the structure and they just kind of gather together. Sometimes there's just a commonality or ethnic traditions or something like that. You have different groups that get together. Now, I'm not saying all these groups are bad. I'm not saying that it is, but it's not what Jesus is asking of his church. Okay? Sometimes groups are a cause. And during the pandemic, there have been many groups that have formed because of this cause of dealing with people. God bless them because they've done tremendous work. Of course, sometimes there are groups that are based in hatred. And we have that as well out there. Jesus doesn't want his church to be based on any of those things. You see, Jesus does things like no one else does. Jesus, a king, came as a baby. Okay, The Lord came as a servant. The righteous one came and humbled himself. The seeker came to save the lost. The light came into the darkness. The lamb put himself among wolves. The lover came to those who hated. See, Jesus is telling them, just like me, you're going to be like no other group out there. And you're not supposed to be like any group out there. As Christians, we're not supposed to be like the rest of the world. And we shouldn't model ourselves like the rest of the world, not because we're any better. It's because Jesus said so. That's why we're no better than anybody else. So Jesus says, nobody else was saying this, love your enemies. Love your enemies. What's an enemy? According to the Greek word, It's one that is hated, hating, or hateful, okay? Hostile, odious. My brother used to call me that. Odious, you odious one, which means extremely unpleasant and repulsive, okay? I think he was just practicing his uh, vocabulary, but anyway. Now, Jesus is acknowledging the fact that you may have enemies, He's telling us that you're going to have enemies. And he acknowledges the fact that it is difficult to deal with enemies. That's a hard thing to do. In fact, some of the enemies may think you're an enemy. Ooh. They think you're hateful. They think you're hostile. They think you're odious. And we have to look at our own heart when we're looking at that. But this is what Jesus is saying. No matter what, don't act like the enemy. Never act like the enemy. Don't be the enemy, beloved, instead. That's what he wants. So if someone strikes you on the cheek, don't punch his lights out. Okay? Out of your own dislike for them, that's the common response. That's the rebellious response. When we don't like something, we rebel against it. We live out of our feelings, our likes, our dislikes, our convictions, our emotions begin to take over, which is the more common way of looking at things. 
That's why we have so many lawyers today. No offense to your family, Bauer. Uh, I have a lot of lawyers in my family, and lawyers are important. We need lawyers. Don't, don't get me wrong. Lawyers are important. However, in this day and age, because people feel that they're mistreated, they'll say, talk to my lawyer. Because they feel like they're going to take advantage of it, go get my lawyer. Because they're falsely accused, or maybe they just want to get even, talk to my lawyer. <laughs> there's a lack of love in the world today society is void of trust and as cynical as that sounds people tend to lean this way in their reactions it's kind of like a default setting it's the way we were brought up it's the way that we were raised it's the way society has, has taught us it's the reaction of people in Jesus' time so Jesus also was addressing it to us in this day and age as well Why do you think he has to spell it out to us? Jesus didn't come to start an uprising. A lot of people thought that's why he came. He's going to come and take over. That's not why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. So he says, love your enemies because they're lost. Now I'm going to qualify this statement because I'm... I want to say, if you are being abused, you need to report this to the proper authorities. That is something that needs to be taken care of. You are not meant to be a doormat. You are not meant to be a punching bag. And if you are abused legally, you should do something about that. But what we are talking about is how to handle this spiritually and emotionally. Do good to those who hate you. It's a hard one. Do good to those who hate you, he says. Bless those who curse you. Bless them. Pray for those that abuse you. If someone hits you, offer the other cheek. If they take your coat, give them your cloak also. If we had time, we could go into each one of these and practically see how this, maybe someday we can do that. But Jesus wants us to be prepared. He wants his church to be like no other organization out there. He wants us to be a testimony of his love. So we love. That's what he's called us to. Let's quickly look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Here's that agape love that Jesus is talking about and wants us to demonstrate. He wants us to feel it. He wants it as a foundation in our life. He wants to set it as the new default in our lives. That love, that agape love that he's talking about. Verse 7 says, love bears all things. It, It means to cover or conceal the faults of another. How many of us do that nowadays? It means to to keep back something that threatens to protect or keep a secret, not to humiliate or get even. 
That's, I don't see that very often nowadays. Love believes all things. To have confidence to what people are, that what people are saying is true. To believe the best, not blindly, not blind, blindly believing everything everybody says, but having that sense that there's a confidence that truth is going to come out. We'll be discerning. We don't want to be undiscerning in something like that, but it believes. It has that possibility. It's not a, a pessimistic society. Love hopes all things. It's, it's to wait for something with joy and assurance. That's what it means, that God knows what he's doing. Sometimes it's very hard to do when you're, you're waiting and hoping for something to happen and it's never coming. But when love is the foundation, it's easier to see and trust God in the middle of it. Love endures all things. It means don't give up. Don't give up in your life, your faith. Don't give up on what God has done for you. To remain behind, it even says. Don't give up. It means to remain behind so that you'll help others. Don't recede. Don't flee, but stand firm. That's what endurance means. As I was going over this, and there's so much we could tell you, we don't have time to do that. But as I was going over this and thinking about what Jesus wants us to do, he wants us to love God. He wants us to love one another. And he wants us to love our enemies. I was thinking about this. I was just going over my mind and I was thinking about it. And so immediately I start thinking about my likes and my dislikes my conveniences and my inconveniences, my convictions. And here's the thing I came to, and I'm going to close with this. If I cannot love due to my feelings, then there's something wrong with my feelings. If I cannot love because of my convictions, then there's something wrong with my convictions. And when looking at this past year, I wonder if the world really knows that we are Christians by our love. You know, having Jesus as Lord, we have the tools, we have the power in the spirit, and we have the grace. My question to you is, What will you do to fulfill God's desire, God's will, God's commandment over this next year in loving God, loving one another, and loving your enemy? Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you that you sent your son such such a lesson in life such a love that was demonstrated. And Lord, as we look at our own lives and our own hearts, we can see, Lord, we we so often fall short. But Lord, we also see that there's a hope, that there's a light, because you change people, you change hearts, you open eyes, you bring true love into our lives. 
so that not only can we love you more, but we can love others and we can love our enemies. So we thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray that you would sear it to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.